I'm Grant Oliphant. This is We Can Be. They say that tougher gun laws do not decrease gun violence. We call BS. They say a good guy with a gun stops a bad guy with a gun. We call BS. They say guns are just tools like knives and are as dangerous as cars. We call BS. No, they say that no laws could have been able to prevent the hundreds of senseless tragedies that have occurred. We call BS. That us kids don't know what we're talking about, that we're too young to understand how the government works. We call BS. More than 2,300 lives have been lost and 8,500 people wounded in over 2,000 mass shootings in the United States in the past seven years. One ray of hope that has risen from these horrific attacks is an ever-growing network of student activists who are organizing, speaking out, and playing a major part in shifting dialogue, votes, and policy. Our guests today are two survivors of the attack at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, that left 17 dead on Valentine's Day of 2018. Alyssa Fletcher was a key organizer of the Parkland March for Our Lives rally, which grew to include 800 partner marches around the world and has been described as one of the biggest youth-led protests since the Vietnam War. Adam Habona has traveled extensively to spread word about how that day rebooted his life forever. They are both reaching across boundaries to offer support to others who have survived or been affected by gun violence, including members of the Pittsburgh community still reeling from the attack at the Tree of Life Synagogue. Alyssa and Adam, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm honored that you're in Pittsburgh to be doing what you're doing. We're going to be talking a little bit about that. But I think first we want to spend a little time getting to know you. I'm just curious what life was like for you before the events that happened at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas School. I've always been very involved in my high school. I've joined different clubs, whether it's National Honor Society, Muafa Theta, English Honor Society. Um, and also I'm a runner, so I was on the cross country. Mm. And then my first two years I played lacrosse. So I was always around people and had a very involved life, but I was always struggling to find my identity and what my passion was. And then after February 14th, I used everything that I loved, all my different passions, and brought it all together. I realized I love talking to people and I like advocating for what I believe in, whether it is trying harder to run faster or like supporting your teammates or now what my life has become is gun violence and communication and what community is. Terrific. And Adam, how about for you? Me, I'll, I'll be honest, really, I did not care about school. Hmm. My grades were subpar. I really did not put effort. I was not involved in any clubs or extracurriculars. I've always been told I'm a smart kid and I just don't apply myself. I even purposely flunked my fifth grade gem entrance exam. I just ticked off the stupidest answers knowing I'm not going to get like, I'll get it. I could, I could easily get in, but I'm just thinking, okay, like this is not really worth it. I don't want to do this. It's not what I'm interested in. But then just the day after it happened, I became a new person. Mm. I started joining clubs. I started doing extracurriculars, like for example, the New Zealand summit program Mm. and then the national high school walkout. Mm. So that day really did change me for the better. 911, what is your emergency? Hi, my daughter just uh, texted me from school. She's at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas in Parkland, and she says there's an active shooter. Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School is being 
shot up. Right here, shots fired by the football field. Shots fired by the football field. And he said, Todd, shot, shot. Mom, God, I love you. I love you. It's going to be fine. Can you hide somewhere? Can you play dead? Breaking news, you might say heartbreaking news, a heartbreaking day in Florida and sadly an all too familiar one. 17 people are now confirmed dead. We know at least three people still in critical condition after police say that a shooter believed to be just 19 years old opened fire at his former high school. Over and over again this year, we have seen, heard and reported on sad and harrowing scenes. So let's talk a little bit about that day. We're not going to dwell on it, but can you talk a little bit about what was going on and then how events unfolded for you? So February 14th, of course, is Valentine's Day. So Mm. that whole day was filled with love and laughter, people hugging each other. The whole day was very uplifting. So when we got to fourth period, that's when our school does these carnations where they hand them out with little cards. And I got like two flowers and a card that says you're stronger than you'll ever know on a heart and it was really sweet and it like makes you feel good but just a few minutes later everything went tumbling down I think for me the worst part was just not knowing what was happening I was like in this cloud for a few hours that day and until I got home I I wasn't able to understand what just happened and for you Adam that day still does not really exist in my head I can't really wrap my head around. I can't comprehend it. I was in the building, so I saw most of the things that happened. You were in the building where the attack actually happened. Yeah, so I was on the first floor in room 1210, and I saw a lot of things happen. A girl dove into our classroom, and she was shot in the leg. It just still never makes sense to me. I feel like I'm numb to it, Mm. and I can't really pull any emotion off of it. And yes, it's traumatizing. Everything I saw was horrific. I can still think about that with no problem. I still remember everything that happened, but I just... I'm numb to it. Yeah. And you lost people that you cared about that day. Yeah. Can you just say a little about them? I run cross country. Mm -hmm. So um, our cross country coach, we have two. One of them was also a geography teacher at our high school. His name was Scott Beagle. Mm -hmm. He was shot, saving the lives of his students, trying to get them all in. And he was still standing at the door when the gunman came. And so he did die a hero. So we like to now celebrate his life. Mm. My cross country team, we do that by we organized the run for Beagle in our community. The first year we did it, we organized it in just two days, and we got people all around the world to support it just by using a hashtag, by running wherever you are in his honor. So I think that brought the whole country together. We organized another official 5K race this year for him, raising money for his memorial fund. Every day we run for him, and we always keep his name in our hearts. Me personally, that, that Douglas is a really big school. It's us has a student body of 3,300 students. So I personally did not know anyone. Mm-hmm. However, I am good friends with Alex Suke, whose brother did pass away. Also, obviously, I would know Coach Aaron Feiss, who would be at the senior lot every morning, mm-hmm. greeting the students coming in. Coach Chinkson, same thing, walking and doing patrols all over campus. Yes, I didn't know them personally. I wasn't the best of friends with anyone there, but I still have a connection with them because yeah. I saw what happened and I could feel their presence. It's interesting, when I was in high school, We had a student body of about half that. It was about 1,800. But we lost a fellow student in a car crash. And although I didn't know him, the whole school grieved because we felt an affinity with him. And I think you forget how it is to be in school and feel that collective sense of community and loss. You know, Alyssa, your comment about the card that you got feels prophetic. You're stronger than you'll ever know. And Adam, you began to describe, I think, beautifully your evolution. Mm -hmm. 
But you both walked from that day along with a lot of fellow students and turned grief into activism. How did you get there? After the events, like many others, I felt helpless. I didn't know what to do. I was in a state of complete shock. So my friend was like, I'm helping organize a small march in Parkland, Florida. Mm. I was like, oh, cool. And then little did I know it was March for Our Lives. And it was one of the biggest marches in the country with over 800 sister marches. You know, it still gives me goosebumps. Yeah. I, I watched all, I was out west on the day of the march. I watched it all on TV, but it was one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. seen to, I can only imagine. Adam was in Washington, D.C. Yes, and it was insane. I'll, I'll bet. Okay, we'll come back to that. But. <laughs> so, so she was helping plan the March for Our Lives in Parkland. She's telling me a little bit about it. It was still in the recent planning stages. And the whole idea was that the march would go past Stoneman Douglas. So after that, and like I felt so passionate about what we were fighting for, gun violence, and really finding that middle ground between two parties where it's a bipartisan issue mm-hmm. and hoping to change people's perspective on what the issue really is and that to take away whatever party affiliate that they're with and really just focus on the issue and that's life. Adam, you were in DC. Mm. I was not a coordinator of the event. I was just an attendee. I was grateful enough to have family there and I took two of my cousins. We had to walk maybe 12, 14 blocks just to get through crowds. And these are crowds way before you could even get to Congress building, right? What is it called? Capitol? Capitol Capitol Hill. Hill. It took hours to get through the crowds. And it took another hour to get into the spot where Stoneman Douglas students would be sitting. And then seeing it live was just so impressive. The amount of people there. And they had everyone raise their hand if you were a victim of gun violence. And the amount of people that raised their hand was just so insane. Mm. Is that part of what helped flip the switch for you to begin to think differently about your life and about activism? for sure, yeah. Can you say a little bit about how that happened for you? The day after, I went to the community center. It used to be the YMCA, but now they changed it to like the Parkland Youth Center, something like that. They had set up a grief counseling like camp, I guess you could say, over there. We had some of the assistant principals there, security and so forth. And I remember I was talking to one of the APs and I said, like, what can we do? Like, can we set up a vigil maybe? Because there's a lot of kids planning on setting up candles and letting go balloons that night. You know, I'm one person. Obviously, I can't organize an entire thing, but I still tried. And then it ended up that a church took it over and made this huge vigil. The entire park was filled. Students, parents, and it wasn't just from Parkland. It was Parkland, Coral Springs, Margate, Coconut Creek, Tamarack, Sunrise, all these cities that really don't even have to have a connection with Douglas, but they still came and showed their support. And I was like, mm-hmm. if all these people can come, so can I, and I can make a change, and I can make a difference. And did you actually feel different at that point about your life? Yeah, I guess you could say yeah. so. How about for you, Alyssa? I was never a political person before February 14th. I, like any high school student, you watch the news or listen to what your parents tell mm-hmm. you, and you're like, okay, and you go off and continue your day. But I think since then, I've paid more attention to how everything works, and how everything impacts each other. Right. And I think that's what changed me is like the realization that just a small law or even just people speaking out and voicing your opinion can change so many other perspectives. It was huge yeah. for me. One of the things that struck all of us in the so-called adult world through all of this was the incredible transformational way in which students illustrated a new form of coming together around March for Our Lives. 
marches against gun violence will be taking place in hundreds of cities this afternoon with teenagers taking the lead. Many traveling to Washington overnight to call for action on gun control. My name is Naomi and I'm 11 years old. I represent the African American women who are victims of gun violence, who are simply statistics instead of vibrant, beautiful girls that pull up potential. Survivor. I have lived in South LA my entire life and have lost many loved ones to gun violence. This is normal. Normal to the point that I've learned to duck from bullets before I learned how to read. And there are people who stand against you because you are too young. We say no more. When politicians say that your voice doesn't matter because the NRA owns them, we say no more. A parent from Parkland at a dinner I attended held up his cell phone and said, our kids use this as their weapon. Uh, we were all worried that we were losing them to the technology, but they turned it to become their weapon. And I think all of us were stunned at the capacity of student activists to, on a dime it seemed, turn out one of the largest demonstrations in U.S. history and one of the most effective voices we've ever seen yet in countering gun violence and the role of guns in our society. Is this a new template for activism in the country, do you think? Yes. If you think about it, you don't even realize, but this March for Our Lives was planned only a little over a month after the shooting. Yeah. So the time that it took from people coping and understanding what happened to quickly changing into this idea that they need to do something about it. I think using technology, that's the best thing many kids know how to use. They use it every single day. So using social media like Instagram and Facebook, you're able to spread the message, but also reach so many people, not just in your community, but all around the nation. I think that's what was the game changer. Well, I want to talk about why you came to Pittsburgh. You met with a group of students here at Alderdice who had been through the Tree of Life experience in Pittsburgh, which created a sad and unfortunate but special bond, I gather, between the two communities. Tell us why you reached out to this community. I'm a Jewish teen also, so yeah. I felt another connection. I mean, since Stoneman Douglas and Fe happened and Tree of Life happened and Christchurch happened, but with Pittsburgh, there's like that hole in my heart. It's like mm. something is like it's still hurting. Yeah. So bringing Parkland and Pittsburgh together, bringing in different coordinators through BBYO, the JCC, both on the Parkland and Pittsburgh side. And this amazing weekend formed where we had five students from Stoneman Douglas, including myself, be able to come to Pittsburgh and speak to the youth here in Pittsburgh, the Jewish community here. And I think is really an emotional weekend as well as empowering. Mm. Adam, so, what about for you? Yeah. What, what made you want to be here? So there's two things. First off, um, on October 27th, when the shooting occurred here, it was relevant for two days at the most, which bothers me a lot. Yeah. I hate when things yeah. of such a grave magnitude are only relevant for this short period of time. Right. This should be a topic that we talk about every single right. day, and right. we should be fixing this. So that makes me want to come here and you know try to help, try to make a difference here, try to show students that they have to push and you know tweet their representatives and you know meet with their mayor and get things passed. Also, the second thing would be, Ms. Seamus are my personalization teacher told me that the Jewish and Muslim community actually came together and you no know, you know Jewish and Muslims don't have the best friendship I'm Muslim myself mm. so coming out here kind of shows that we can be friends we can unite we don't have to be fighting each other all the time 
Right. You know, we need unity. We don't need to be disconnected. It's been fabulous, actually, mm -hmm. what has happened in this community yeah. around the bridging of that. Not that there was a divide here, mm -hmm. but the willingness to reach out and help each other was phenomenal. It's like a reminder of unity. Yeah. What were some of the lessons that you wanted to share with the students? What had you all learned that you felt they needed to know? So something you just said that I love that you said was the bond between the two communities. Right. I think that's exactly why we came here. You don't always realize there's not so, that many people that um, you can turn to that's like, yes, you understand exactly how I'm feeling. I've spoken to different schools in the past, but coming to Alderdice was unique in the way that they have that sense of understanding. Mm -hmm. Also, we wanted to encourage the message that just because this happened to you, you can also overcome the adversity that you experienced. And using your voice and standing up for what you believe in can make a difference. How about for you, Anna? One of the students that is in attendance with us, Carlitos, did something that I really, really like. He told all the students to take their right hand and put on their hearts. And he said, do you feel your heart beating? That is your true purpose here. Your heart beating means that you have a purpose on this planet. Mm. And that's just something that wow. resonates all over the world. Wow. We also had another friend, Daniel Tabaris, who's also here. He had everyone stand up and scream, we matter. And yeah. I think recently we've experienced two suicides in our own community. So just telling people that no matter what you're going through, to never give up and that you matter is such an important message. In a packed library of Taylor Alderdice High School, a message of strength and resilience from Parkland to Pittsburgh. It's a great opportunity for the Alderdice students who um, some are exposed to gun violence um, often and we wanted to see how we could make a change. Taylor Alderdice seeing how these students have handled a tragedy to make change, wanting to do the same here. Now I'd like to call up Daniel Tabarez, or he likes to be known as your boy. All it takes is one person. Be that person. There have been many times in my life that I needed that one person. Now I am trying to be that person for others. After the shooting, many of us were struggling. I had a friend who posted something on social media that concerned me. I didn't know her well, but I messaged her and told her that she mattered. She then shared with me that she was thinking of taking her own life. She told me that my words made her feel worthy and it is never too late to do something, say something kind, to be a friend. We all have times in our lives where we need that one, that one person. We all have the power to be that person for someone else. Now, I want each of you to turn to your neighbor, left or right, and tell him in the eye, say, you matter. We matter all together. One of the amazing things you did was meet with the mayor of Pittsburgh. And as I understand it, that meeting went for three hours. Can you share a little bit about what you talked about? We, we really talked about a lot. Mainly it was just parents speaking. So it wasn't about what they were saying. It's about the connection that they just made. Because now they're going to use this connection to push better laws into place. So yes, we talked a lot. We, just, we all said our personal stories. We all said how we felt. We all said, said how we miss everyone. And obviously, like a lot of emotions were stirred up. But it's about getting things done. We got a lot done. Uh, we kept the conversation alive, I think, by meeting with the mayor. Um, it showed that 
we are here to help support the city of Pittsburgh. And we know that the city of Pittsburgh will help us, Parkland and the whole nation, continue to fight for what is right. So a very courageous city council passed the first gun reform yes, in the city's history. They and I have been threatened with lawsuits. We have been threatened with death threats. We have been threatened with criminal action. It wasn't just Tree of Life. It's the, the senseless taking of life on a constant basis. And we know that there is a direct correlation between certain weapons that are made to be highly effective in taking soldiers off a battlefield. They're made so that the, the velocity of the bullet, the way that the bullet hits and everything else, and Doc, you can lecture me on this, but I learned enough from our ER doctors to learn that there's a big difference between the types of guns that are used in the likelihood of survival. And so we want to remove those weapons from what we believe is not a proper dense urban setting. Um, you want to go on the back of your farm and shoot at a target, we're not saying you can't, you can do that, but within this city we don't feel that domestic tranquility that is a guaranteed right of the Constitution is served by having somebody walk down the street with an AR-15. To the students of Parkland, you started a movement. I mean, I don't know if you really get I really don't know if you get it or not, but within your peers, you have now made common sense gun reform one of the top two issues that millennials are fighting for, and you've changed the debate of the presidential debate for 2020. He mentioned that change doesn't happen until something is actually done, and they're starting that, and hopefully that'll inspire cities across the state and across to Florida and other states um, to do the same. Was it inspiring to you? I mean, did it feel like an inspiring moment? It was. Mm -hmm. This whole weekend is inspiring. I think yeah. constantly going, seeing the Tree of Life Synagogue, personally seeing the people who are here to help support one another, the, yeah. um, all, no matter what your religion is, your color, your gender, we're all people at the end of the day. We're human and we just want to live. And I, I think just that realization that no matter where your background comes from and just seeing people come together at the end of the day is amazing. Yeah. I, you said that too good. <laughs> <laughs> I still want to probe a little bit about the path here after the shooting at Douglas. Um, and Adam, you mentioned that it took you to New Zealand and you had an experience in New Zealand. Yes. Mm -hmm. I'd love for you to talk about that and then also reflect on what it was like for you when the shooting happened there. The New Zealand trip was really something special. Christchurch is the most beautiful city I've ever been to. Really? I've never felt so secure and safe in a place. Hmm. That really bothers me to hear that 50 worshipers were killed. You know, we went there to learn how to sustain a movement, how to keep a movement sustainable. We were taught by the SVA, the Student Volunteer Army. They started in 2011 after two earthquakes. They probably started with like maybe 500 students and then it grew to a thousand then to 5,000, and then it went all the way to 30,000. Now, eight years later, they have 13,000 active members, and these are only students at one university. Wow. Exa yeah, exactly. Wow. To keep that going for yeah. eight years, yeah. it's something spectacular. I think it was you and 27 other Parkland students yes. mm -hmm. who went. What did you gain from being in community with people all the way across the world who had been through something traumatic? We were 
a family. Yeah. We made such good connections, and it, those connections will never break. I still talk to my host family that was I stayed with there, and I talk to them on a weekly basis. I still talk to the, my SVA buddy. I still talk to um, Nancy Gilbert, the honorary consulate from New Zealand to Florida. Hmm. I think those connections really matter because if we ever want to do anything, they're right there to help us, and we're right here to help them too. Did you walk away from that experience with additional ideas about how to make a difference, how to oh, yeah, be an activist? Sure. What were some that come up for you? Well, actually, we drafted, a, I think it was like a 32-page document on how to sustain a movement. Yeah. And the things you can read in there are just incredible because it really does outline exactly how to start a movement, grow the movement, and sustain the movement. I think our foundation needs to read yeah. that. Okay. I'll definitely send it to you. <laughs> I, need to, I need to get that information yeah, you from you. <laughs> you know, increasingly, that is what we're learning in, in social change work mm -hmm. is that really the only way to achieve the change that we need to is through movements like you're trying to launch. Your school has a, a history, it seems, of, of activism and engagement in social issues. One of the stories that emerged in the wake of the tragedy at your school was the education that was being provided around social engagement or political science or government even. Are there activists that you personally admire or have come to admire through the work that you're doing? Um, yeah, of course. I mean, Who are your heroes in this, well, in this honestly, work, I guess I would ask? My heroes are not surprisingly older than me. They're actually right around my age. So I love that. That's great. It's really just my friends. Like, for example, Alyssa really motivates me, Carlitos, Danny, Lizzie. Yeah. I, the name that should be in that paper, Kai Corbier. Yeah. Isaac Christian, almost everyone who went on the New Zealand trip. Right. Those people really inspire me and they really motivate me because they have this passion to fix these problems. And I love that. Yeah. And it pushes me too. So seeing them work makes me want to work harder. Fabulous. So How about you? Interesting. Alyssa? So even uh, even being a part of the movement, but seeing like people who did go to DC and speak there, like Emma Gonzalez and yeah. Cameron Kasky and Honestly, their speeches moved me so much, right. and I'll, I'll still watch it today. Sometimes yeah. I'll play it back, or also help me realize, wow, like we can do something about this, and no one can stop us. Yeah, one of the things activists face is backlash, and in this day and age, uh, the same tools that you have used to build a movement are used against you mm -hmm. by people who are trying to counter the movement. Have you been surprised by the trolls and the attacks? The only thing I've ever been surprised by was I was picking up my girlfriend from school. It was a final testing day. So I think it was maybe 1240. And you just see cop after cop rushing towards a community we have. And then you see a couple helicopters and I'm like, okay, that's weird. And it's going by my sister's elementary school. I'm, I have to wait for my girlfriend because they're on lockdown now. I drive by my sister's elementary to just check if she's okay. And then I got a call from my friend saying that someone swatted David Hogg's house. So oh my I, God. You, you know that term, yeah, right? Yeah, right, right. And I understand like the death threats and all that, but right. swatting is just a completely different level. And swatting is when somebody anonymously reports a, a threat exactly. at, to try and get SWAT teams, that's the term, to mm -hmm. come to the house. And in some cases, people have been killed as a result of this. Did yeah. they ever find out who did it? No. Well, how about you, Alyssa? Have you felt attacked or vulnerable ever as a result of the work you did? Um, I have personally not have been attacked for uh -huh. it, but... I've seen on like Twitter now, I'm not someone who's big on Twitter, but I like yeah. to follow, read through them. Yeah. It's sometimes disappointing that there's that divide in our country. And right. that's why like what I'm fighting for is just having people find that middle ground. Right. Because whether you're using social media or you're in person, people will continue to have that. He said, she said, this is wrong. You're right. And I'm trying to like, make people realize that it's not a fight. It's 
it's common sense. Yeah, that's terrific. One of the sad, saddest chapters in this for me has been the recent suicides of members of the community who went through the Parkland tragedy. One of the recent uh, suicides was a Sandy Hook parent. How do we help people who have been through trauma? Do you think about that in your activism as well? What you and the rest of us should be doing to support you, to support each other? So I think a big part is there's the activism side, and then there's also, I like to call it the side of love. I think in showing others the idea of spreading love, whether mm. it's painting a rock with a loving, happy message on it, yeah. smiling to someone, just saying hi, making a new friend can make all the difference in one person's life. So mm. when I would go to speak to a, a school, I would say, like, make sure you tell your parents that you love them. Make sure you say hi to a new friend. Make a new friend today because there's no guarantee for tomorrow. So live your best life now. Right. So I think I've been trying to combine them and something I did tell the Allardyce students yesterday in the high school was love and activism are two adjectives that are not really seen together because of the divide in our country. So finding that middle ground, I think we can combine these two words that will really transpire where our country is. Were they receptive? They were. Yeah. Adam, um, how about for you? Yeah, I mean, Alyssa said that really well. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah that was a pretty good answer. Yeah, it really was. Um, every time we go somewhere, we don't just spread our message. We also spread love. We don't just say, okay, you know, gun laws have to change and blah, 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 blah. We say, okay, gun laws need to change. And also don't forget to love your family, your friends, mm -hmm. your brother, sister, whoever it is. Don't forget to love those people and don't forget to love yourself. Mm -hmm. So we don't just promote a single message every time we go somewhere. We promote many, many things, which every single time will include mm -hmm. messages of love. Yeah, you don't hear about that. You know, that's incredibly wise way beyond what people would say, way beyond your years. <laughs> and how did you come by that? I mean, how did you come by realizing that that's as important as the activism side? Well, I think, so after February 14th, what really impacted me most was not just the tragedy, but really what happened right after. It was the outpour of love and support from the communities all across the nation yeah. and the world. Like, and it impacted me. And I realized if someone did this every single day, not just because of a school shooting, yeah. then so much can change in our country. And if people realize that, then I think we'd have less suicides. People realize that they are loved and supported if they just reach out for help or realize like there are people ready to help them. Right. For me, it's really been when Fred Gutenberg says this one story. He was really late for school to drop his kids off or to push them out the door. And he was saying how he was rushing his kids out the door and he was rushing Jamie in particular out the door. And he doesn't remember if he said, I love you before she left to me that's so heartbreaking like mm -hmm. you're a father and you don't remember if you got to say i love you to your daughter right. on the last day you would see her so that makes me want to spread love and positivity right it makes me remember that every single time when you look at these issues both the divide in the country that you're talking about which in some ways is a manifestation of a lack of love and a lack of respect and a lack of civility and the tough what we would think of as political or policy issues like changing gun laws that have been resistant to change for decades now. Are you hopeful about our capacity to move the country on those issues? I am because what we're doing now is advocating to everyone, but in particular the youth, telling them that they can vote, that they can speak out for issues that they care about, showing them that to have an open conversation is healthy, yeah. just keeping it respectful. And I think by advocating that to the youth now, they're going to grow up and we're going to grow up in this society where 
people will be more perceptive to new ideas. It's difficult to think that nothing's been done over the years, considering mm-hmm. how many events have happened. Mm-hmm. But I'm still very hopeful because once you just hear these stories and the things people are doing and the mm-hmm. amount of stress they will put upon themselves to do like to accomplish something, it gives you hope. Many, many laws have been passed since that day, including the federal ban on bump stocks. So just small baby steps like that give me hope. And certainly in the wake of your experience, the voter registration for young people surged, I think, by about 16 percent. The midterms produced the most diverse House of Representatives that we've ever had. Do you see that as the beginning? Because I know there are a lot of people who are really hoping you'll go away and stop all of this and that you'll forget, you'll get busy, you'll focus on your lives and everything will go back to normal. Do you think that's gonna happen? Yeah, we're here a year later and we're talking to you. So I think that just goes to show you that we're not going away. We're gonna keep fighting for what we do believe in. Our lives really do depend on it Mm. because one day I could be next, my sister could Mm. be next, any of us could be next. So if we don't finish this and fix the problem now, it's just gonna keep going and keep going and keep going. So we have no reason to stop until it's done. Part of what I'm driving at is your comment that you made earlier about short attention spans and how in the wake of Tree of Life, the country sort of moved on immediately after. It's often because there's another shooting. So in that case, you know, within a week, there was another mass shooting. And what you're saying is, even though this may be happening, you're just not going to stop withdrawing attention to it. We just can't. Yeah. And it's also part of bringing those bridges together between those communities who have been affected, Parkland and then Pittsburgh and now New Zealand. We're trying to connect this huge network of people, community of people who have been affected by gun violence, rally them together and like say, it's okay to speak out. Like if we come together, join forces, then together we can bring change. Was it disheartening or encouraging when you realized, gee, in New Zealand, they could address the policy issue like immediately? They addressed Uh, it in 72 hours. Yeah. (laughs) They right. put a full so, ban on this. And the whole country came together and they said, okay, we don't need these guns. Yep, Let's get rid of like them. That. Done. So is that it's encouraging or discouraging? Oh, it's very encouraging. It's, I mean, it's annoying that we can't do it here. <laughs> <laughs> really, that's why I love New Zealand so much. They're so quick and they're so attentive. They like to fix the issue as fast as they can, straight to the point. If there's one thing, and I know there's like a dozen things, and you've said several of them already, but I'm just curious. If there's one thing you could say to young people who are sitting on the fence about getting involved or wondering if they should care, wondering if they can make a difference, what would be your one bit of advice or the one thing you would say to them? You never know what tomorrow will bring, so why wait? You should do something about what you feel passionate about, whether it is gun violence, whether it's immigration, whether it's healthcare, whatever issue they care about. For us, it's gun violence, but we hope that people will follow their passion and get involved in what they care about because without their voice, that's one less voice to bring the impact that is needed. Your voice matters. This could happen to you next. And if it's either, are you on the side of life or not? The name of this podcast is We Can Be. And one of the things we like to do is ask our guests to end that sentence the way that they would like to end that sentence. So we can be what? We can be strong. We can be stronger. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Adam and Alyssa are two of the thousands of students who are channeling their trauma into action. Teenagers have dozens of things they would rather be doing than taking on issues of assault weapon legislation or creating activist networks, or for that matter, recording podcasts early on a Saturday morning as these two did. 
But these teenagers have experienced extraordinarily horrible things and are choosing to spend their time spreading love and support, organizing and using their voice to share their experiences as a way to shift culture. In talking with Adam and Alyssa and reflecting on what they had to say afterwards, all I could think was shame on adults and especially leaders who stand by and do nothing in the wake of every tragedy, who cynically offer only empty thoughts and prayers, and who refuse even the most basic efforts at sensible gun reform. Their failures are costing students lives, which is why students are stepping up, and thank God they are. Alyssa's story about the valentine she received on the day of the massacre, telling her that you are stronger than you know, is maybe a message we all need to remember. Alyssa said, we are not going away, and Adam said, your beating heart means you have purpose in this world. To them, I can only say thank you for not going away. Keep speaking out and standing up and challenging other youth to hear their beating heart, to find their purpose, to spread love. And may we all remember, we are stronger than we think we are. <laughs>